You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. Every believer fights a daily battle between flesh and spirit, affecting every area of our lives. But how did this conflict begin? Listen to this eye-opening message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. Today, as we start this brand new series, it is going to be an amazing journey for us. Uh, let me just go and uh, talk about our series objective. Hopefully, after this series, this next three weeks, our people will understand the nature and reality of spiritual conflict and live victoriously through the gospel. And how many of you, not in the end, we will win? How many of you would like to win all the time, everyone, every time you play a game? Yeah. But how many of you know and realize that there are winners and there are losers, right? You know, growing up, you know, I, I, you know, I, I grew up with my brother, Bernard. We, we normally have fights. And maybe for those of you who have siblings, you're familiar with sibling rivalry, right? That it's kind of normal for children to fight with the littlest issues. Now looking at my two daughters, Anna and Andrea, uh, it's almost like, you know, they don't fight every day. They fight every hour. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's just, you know, if you're in the house and you're, for example, studying, you know, it's almost like every hour, uh, somebody will come to me and say, you know, Daddy, Andrea punched me, or, you know, Anna pinched me, or, you know, it's, a, it's just a never-ending game. And have you ever wondered why this is so? Why is there conflict? And we're going to be talking about conflict in the next three weeks. Fight, conflict. And, you know, how many of you have had a conflict with somebody in your life? At least one person. At least one. Now, how many of you that if you are married, it's kind of like a normal thing, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, if you talk about marriage, I believe conflicts are like, it's normal, it's a necessary, I don't want to call it necessary evil, but it's a necessary part of our life so that we will grow in our relationship with each other and somehow it's God's way of dealing with us and in building His character in us, in the area of patience, in the area of forgiveness, and so on and so forth. But when you talk about Conflict for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about conflict tonight. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the origin of conflict. Everybody say origin. Where did this all come from? How did this, how did this all start? Where did it all begin? Okay? Or begin, rather. And then location of conflict. When you talk about conflict, where does it happen? Does it happen here in church? Does it happen in families? Does it happen, you know, is there like a certain GPS location that we can look at when you talk about conflict? And then lastly, on the third week, we're going to be talking about weapons. Everybody say weapons. That in this war, God has equipped us with weapons. And of course, we believe that ultimately we will win. That's why in this church, we've named our church what? Victory Christian Fellowship. Can you imagine if we named our church Defeated Christian Fellowship? Can you imagine what will happen? You know, every single day, wow. But every day we can expect victory, not because of who we are, not because of our 
abilities, but because of what Christ did for us on the cross. Ultimately, He has won the victory. For, and that was the song we were singing a while ago. He has won the victory. Jesus has won the victory for us on the cross. Amen. You know, if you look at movies or life in general, how many of you know that there are always two players? There's the protagonist and there's the antagonist. Kung may bida, may kontrabida. Right? Alright. Now, we're, we're going to talk about, you know, and, and if you look at, for, the, for example, that's in the movies. It's a make-believe world. But how many of you know that even in the real world, there's conflicts? Conflict among nations. Like, for example, one of the conflicts that we're dealing with right now is a conflict between sovereignty with a big nation in Asia, China. We're looking at some of our islands on the West Philippine Sea, which they call South China Sea. They say it's theirs because the name of the sea is South China Sea. So everything in that South China Sea is supposed to be Chinese. But that's why we've, we've named it West Philippine Sea. It's really ours. But that's conflict. And even the United Nations can't, don't know what to do, how to resolve this conflict between the different nations. In politics, how many of you know there are conflicts in politics? And we, we know that. Just look at the Senate you know, proceedings. You know, one guy bashing another senator. You know, you are, you know, you are this, you are that. You know, in the middle of a session, their privileged speech is made to look like a circus sometimes. Personality conflicts. You know, between schools, right? Ateneo, Lasal, Bulldogs versus, I don't know, Lions or what, yeah. So on and so forth. In our families, siblings, and so on and so forth. The reason why sometimes churches split is because of conflicts. Maybe because of doctrinal conflicts. Maybe it's because of a theological disagreement or argument. And so we'd like to look at where did it all begin? What was the starting point of all this? And I'd like to invite everyone to stand with me as we open up in the book of Genesis chapter 3. If you want to go and look at where it all began, let's look at the book of beginnings, which is the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3 verse Verses 1 to 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not what? You must not touch it or... You will die. You will not surely die, the the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we, we thank you for this time. Father, we claim your victory on the cross over our lives. And in the name of Jesus, we bind the work of Satan over our lives. Lord, we realize today that there is a reality of conflict. There is 
the presence of an adversary or an enemy. And we thank you, Lord God, that we will all realize and have a revelation that we will all win in this fight. Thank you, Lord God, that you would give your people a divine revelation on how it is to win in every battle of our lives. We thank you, Lord God, that, Lord, we're looking at you as the one who has won this victory for us. And though we commit to you the rest of this time, we thank you, Lord God, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Of course, when you look at the book of Genesis, Genesis is the book of beginnings. It's the book wherein we see the God, uh, our God creating everything. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning God created everything. The heavens and the earth. Everything that we have here, God created. How many of you know that? That whatever God created is good. That in every day that God created, He would always summarize that day, it is good. Remember that? On the first day, when He created when the light, He said, it is good, so on and so forth. When He created man on the sixth day, and after summing up all creation, He said, it was very good. So from Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 2, we see that everything was great. Everything was beautiful. Everything was perfect. In the Garden of Eden, there was a great fellowship before God and man. And how many of you know that in the Garden, there was everything that man needed? God, God provided for man in the Garden. God gave him purpose in the Garden. God gave Adam a wife in the Garden. That's why maraming Garden weddings. <laughs> Did you notice that? It's because of the origin of the marriage. Because God's... And, you know, there's nothing wrong if you got married in a hotel. But somehow, you know, it's kind of like women or the bride normally is more romanticized whenever they would imagine their wedding to be in a garden. How many of you got married in a garden? Please raise your hand. Alright. I got married in a hotel, okay? Made it look like a garden. There's a lot of plants. And maybe if you're a single person here, you envision yourself, hey, maybe a garden wedding would be nice. Now they are more creative. You know, they marry in beaches. They marry in the mountains. You know, I saw in YouTube, they, you know, this couple got married with a slingshot. You know, a giant slingshot. I don't know where that was. It was somewhere in Europe. But the point was, when they were in the garden, everything was perfect. The relationship with man uh, between man and God was perfect. The relationship between Adam and Eve was perfect. And then came Genesis chapter 3. And if you notice your Bible, from Genesis chapter 3 to the book of Revelation, every, everything was already in disarray. And everything was in conflict. Did you notice that? Everything. The first murder happened in Genesis chapter 4 between Cain and Abel. And so we see that there was a decline in relationships right after Genesis chapter 3. So we want to study the beginning of conflict. And so this is actually the, the setting of conflict. It all happened in the garden. And there are three parts of this setting. The first part is the tempter. We have a tempter. How many of you, you know, know that temptations are real? 
that we have an enemy. You probably woke up today saying, Ay, it's so nice to be a Christian. And it's great to be a Christian. And how I wish it would be a walk in the park. How I wish it would be like a rose garden. But the reality is Christianity is a war. Amen. And in this war, we have an enemy. And he's the tempter. He's the devil. We're going to be talking about later on. We're going to be talking about the target. And then we're going to be talking about the tactics. Now, if you look at verse 1, it says, Now, the serpent. Everybody say, the serpent. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. Now, why the serpent? Did God really create the snake or the serpent to be bad? I don't think so. Because when God, remember, when God created in Genesis chapter 1, everything that God created was good. So if you were Adam in Genesis chapter 1 or in chapter 2, you're probably petting a snake. Imagine with me. The anacondas during that time probably was a mode of transportation. (laughs) Because it was good. There's nothing bad that God created. Hello? But yet, there was something that came inside that snake that made it bad. Are we here this morning? In fact, Jesus, in, uh, you know, Jesus even used that a proverbial wisdom of the snake. He said, be wise as a serpent, but be gentle as a dove. So somehow, serpents are known to be wise. Maybe before the fall. Now, they're crafty. They're slithering. He became crafty because of a spirit that influenced him. You have to realize that even before the creation of man, heaven was created first. And God was not a created being. That's why in the beginning, God was already there. There's no creation for God. He was not born into God. I was born as God. No. There's no beginning and end with God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. When He created all the things inside heaven, that was the first agenda. He created all the angels in heaven. So you've got to imagine with me, you know, this is time before the time that we understand right now. This is time eternity. And this spirit, there's this angel named Lucifer. How many of you are familiar with Lucifer? Okay. In fact, if you look at the name Lucifer, there's nothing bad about that name. That name Lucifer means morning star, dawn of the morning. In fact, if you want to name a son, no, no, don't name your son Lucifer. Okay? <laughs> I guess because of what he did, there's now a stigma. You know, but Lucifer in itself, it's like morning star, as bright as the morning. Can you imagine if you name your son, you are a bright Morning light, Lucifer. (laughs) I mean, if you look at 
say that he was one of the three archangels that God created. Satan was in charge of worship. You know, Michael was in charge of the war, and Gabriel was in charge of FedEx. Always deliver messages. But if you look at the origin, in fact, Sun Tzu, the Chinese general who authored the art of war, he said, know thy enemy and know yourself. In a hundred battles, you will never be defeated. We've got to know our enemy. The Apostle Paul said, do not be ignorant of the enemies or the devil's schemes. As children of God, we are, you know, I was talking to Pastor Sonny earlier. Because we were preparing for this. You know, in fact, this particular series was actually studied, prayed for last year. We knew that at the, end of, at, at the beginning of this year, we're going to be talking about fight and we're going to be looking at this particular topic. And somehow, we f- I felt like, you know, Pastor Sandy earlier uh, was saying to me, you know, I, last night as I was preaching, there was just so many opposition. You know, I started cough, coughing. You know, this is it's bad. This morning, for some reason, you know, I felt the same thing. You know, I was working on my keynote, and it was, it was like, it's like the, it's, the computer is like possessed. You know, my keynote would just quit on me. It wouldn't save right. You know, it would hang. You know, I couldn't save anything on my iPad, so on and so forth. It's just, I said, hmm, this is just so familiar. Satan, I bind you. And guess what? I don't want you to blame everything on the devil. Not because you lost your parking space, it's the devil's fault. (laughs) Because sometimes you glorify the devil too much. Oh, it's Satan's fault. You know, I got late today in church. Si Satan kasi. I couldn't find my socks. Si Satan kasi tinago niya. You know, it's... Don't blame everything on the devil. Sometimes it's our own negligence and stupidity. But yet, I also want to highlight that the enemy also engages in spiritual activity. That, you know, the enemy causes... The people's eyes and hearts to be hardened sometimes when it comes to the gospel. He causes the, the eyes of the, you know, the unbelievers to be blinded so that they will not see the light of God's word and so on and so forth. But the little things, the opposition, let's not blame it all on the devil. But I knew for a fact that because we're going to be talking about fight and we're going to be talking about the devil today, I, I understand that his, he can distract us. He can put you to sleep right now. Tulog ka na lang. Alam mo na yung sinasabi ni Pastor. Look at the person beside you. And tell that person, Gijeng! In fact, somebody once said that idleness is the devil's workshop. If you're idle and lazy and doing nothing, guess what? That's where the enemy wants you perfect. If you're not advancing, and if you're not retreating, that's fine. Chillax. Status quo. Because God wants His people and His children to always advance. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like suffers violence and violent men 
take hold of it. Forceful men take hold of it. It's, it's about advancing the kingdom of God. I believe in going to a retreat, but many times we retreat all the time without even advancing. Know thy enemy. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 28. You know, this is a picture of Satan. You know, and, and God was the one using the analogy of, of Tyre, the son of man. But this is really Satan himself that was being depicted here. Verse 12, Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, This is what the sovereign Lord says. You were the model of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. In fact, when Lucifer was created by God, he was a perfect being. One of the most beautiful beings in heaven was this angel named Lucifer. Verse 13, you were in Eden. So he was referring to him now after the fall. You were in Eden, garden of God. You know, every precious stone adorned you, ruby, topaz, and emerald, Chrysolite, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. In another translation, your pipes and tubes are made of gold. You know, it's almost like it's attached to Him. Every time He speaks, there's worship coming out. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. So for so I ordain you, you were on the holy mount of God. He was in the presence of God every single day. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you or guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones, your heart became what? Proud on account of your beauty. And you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. In other words, his beauty, his wisdom, got to him. And he thought that, hey wait, I'm not just a created thing, I can be like the Creator Himself. So I threw you to the earth and I made a spectacle of you before kings. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 14, another scripture referring to Him. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star or Lucifer, son of dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the most assemb- of the assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountains. In other words, Satan was expressing his will instead of God's will. How many of you that many times the reason why we can't obey God's will is because we normally say, I will. My will be done! Allah Bruce Almighty. Verse 14, I will ascend 
above the tops of the clouds. And I will make myself like the most high. Can you imagine what audacity, what arrogance and pride has crept in to Lucifer at that time? But you are brought low, brought down, brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. That's why, you know, Satan, we see that there are different references in the Bible. His name is adversary. He's his enemy. He's the father of lies. How many of you know that you know, lying comes from Satan? He's the father of lies. That's why if you lie, you are... No, let's not talk about that, right? <laughs> the son of the father. A pastor, what about white lies? Father of lies nga eh. He is the tempter, the deceiver. And so on and so forth. We're going to be talking about more of that next week. Satan is said to be, he's like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion because the true lion of Judah is Jesus. He is just like a lion without teeth. He just roars. But he doesn't bite. That's why don't be afraid of the devil. Amen. But many times when he comes to us, you know, he comes to us and puts fear in our hearts. Because you would think that, you know, somehow Hollywood has portrayed Satan to be this, you know, guy with a red suit and a cape and a long tail and long horns, you know, and says trick or treat or whatever. But is that the picture of Satan? He used to be such a beautiful angel. But now he's cast out of the presence of God. The Bible also says that Satan can disguise himself as the angel of light. And sometimes he can counterfeit the real. And how many of you know that the work of Satan is to counterfeit the real? In other words, he's, very, he's an expert of pirating or counterfeiting, right? What if, you know, Pastor Sonny used this. What if you're walking out there in the mall and you saw a 300 peso bill? Wow. There's nobody claiming that wow, 300 peso bill. Wow. It's brand new, newly printed, crisp. You know, it's just, you know, Christmas just ended. You know, we've seen so many crisp bills during the holidays. 300 peso. How many of you will take the 300 peso bill? Why will you not take it? It's not real. There's no such thing. But what if you will see three 100 peso bill out there? Will you take it? Because it's a real thing. Many times, people will go for the counterfeit rather than the real thing, than the original. And that's the work of Satan. He's the tempter, the deceiver, the accuser of the brethren. Let's move on. Second thing is target. Everybody say target. Who's the target? Where's the bull's eye? If there's a tempter, who's the target? Can you imagine out of all the creation during that time, why did Satan focus on one particular being? In verse 1b, he said, Who was the target? The woman. 
Look at the person beside you. Are you a woman? You are a target. No, no. I'm not talking about difference in sexes here today. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit. Uh, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Now, have you ever wondered why Satan approached the woman and not the man? Have you ever thought about that? You know, as you were reading your Bible, have you ever thought about, Lord, why did you not, why was, why was Satan after the woman and not after Adam? Adam was the one who was bearing the promise. He was the one who was given the purpose. He was the one who was given the commandment. But why the woman? This is not really in the Bible, so, but somehow if you, if you can glean closer to what the scripture is saying, the woman was not there when God created Adam and when God gave Adam the command. It was Adam who transferred the command to Eve. Isn't it? In other, word, in other words, Eve was the second-hand recipient of the commandment of God. And how many of you know that when it comes to our devotion and relationship with the Lord, we have to have a direct access to the Lord. When it comes to revelation, guess what? God wants to speak to His people. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, listen to God. God wants to speak. The question is, are we hearing the voice of God? Are we hearing it from Him directly or is it just a second-hand information? Eh, you know, sabi sa TV eh. You know, sabi sa TV, bawal mag-church pagka hindi ka naka-long sleeves or you know, whatever. You know, you, you, it's a second-hand information. Somehow, Eve got some information right but not totally right. Look at this. Genesis chapter 3, verse 3, this is what Eve said. But God did say, you must not eat from the fruit of the tree, and that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. But did God really say you must not touch it? In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 to 17, this was God speaking to Adam, and the Lord God commanded to the, or commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat. From the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. But somehow, Eve, I guess, became so creative. You must not eat it and don't touch it. Can't touch it. Can't touch it. But did God really say can't touch it? That's why you better be careful from adding on to the words and the commands of God. We need to have a first-hand information. We need to have a relationship with the Lord. And I believe that the reason why God was just so, I mean, Satan was just so after the creation of God. Why man and woman? Why not the monkey? Why did Satan not tempt the orangutan? Or the hippopotamus? Did you ever ask that? Why man? Of all the created beings, why man? 
because man was the only thing that God created that was made in his own image and likeness. Remember what Satan said? I will be like the Most High God. He did not get what he wanted, but yet God created in the garden the very thing that he wanted in the first place. That every time Satan looks at man, he sees the image of God in man. That's why he hated man so much. Because that was the very thing that he wanted in the first place. And aren't you glad that we are specially made by God? In the image of God, we were created. Amen. Come on now. Come on, give the Lord praise. That's why don't ever believe the lie that you came from monkeys. Look at the person beside you. And tell that person, you were made in the image of God. In the image of God, we were created. We did not evolve from an amoeba. Later evolved into a protozoa. And then became like a tadpole. And then grew up, you know. Eventually, homo sapiens. No. From the very start, God, the architect, created us. With His image. The very image of God was stamped in man. And Satan, the start of the conflict, just perverted that image of God. So that when you face yourself in the mirror, you don't see the image of God in you. You see more like the work of Satan in your life. Satan distorts things, but God wants to restore His image the way we see ourselves. Amen. And it's only found in Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ sent, you know, He was sent on the cross that He can die on the cross for us to purchase us so that we can once again see that we were made in the image of God. And lastly, tactic. Everybody say tactic. What's the tactic of the enemy here? And I'm not going to really unpack, unpack this thing today. We have next week and another week after this talking about the location of the conflict and the after the, the weapons of warfare. But what's the basic tactic or strategy or scheme of the enemy? Verse 1 says, He said to the woman, Did God really say? And even until today, Satan is always asking that to you and me. Did God really say for you to obey Him and pay your taxes? Did God really say for you to live a holy life and not sleep around with your girlfriend? Did God really say that you are not supposed to steal your company's paper clips for the project of your son? Did God really say that you are to honor Him? Did God really say that you are to love your wife and nobody else and be faithful to her and not commit adultery? Did God really say that you are not to cheat in your exam because you believe that it is better to cheat than to repeat? <laughs> Did God really say this? Did God? And the enemy will always question the Word of God in our life. That's the tactic. He would question the commands of God. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? As a single person, did God really say that you are supposed to live 
a pure and holy life until you find Mr. or Miss Right? Did God really say that we are supposed to forgive our husband and or our wife? The, the strategy of Satan in the past is still the same strategy that he's using today. If Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the devil is also the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is an ancient foe. And I'm glad that we're talking about this right now so that you can be familiar with the schemes of the enemy. Do not be ignorant of the devil's schemes. He He actually twisted the word and the command of God. And he, now he's contradicting. In verse 4, he said, You will not surely die. What did God say? If you eat the fruit, you will surely die. But Satan is saying, No, you will not surely die. You will not surely die. If you engage in an adulterous relationship, you will not surely be caught. But you will surely enjoy You will not surely suffer from the consequences of your sin. But you will surely have fun, at least for a short time. And the devil goes on to contradict the word of God and the promise that he has for our believers. You will not surely be healed if you pray. He'll question, did God really say that you will be healed if you lay hands on the sick? Or if somebody lay hands on you? Did God really say that He will provide for everything you need? Did God really say that you know He is the author who gives you He's the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth? And why are you suffering poverty right now? Why do you have all these debts right now? Did God really say? Verse five: For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What Satan does? is he will contradict the word, he will twist the word, and he will offer something that's higher than what God has offered. God said, you will surely die. But Satan is offering, no. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God. This came from himself. Remember his desire. He said, I will be like God. I will be like the God Most High. But now he's transferring what he desired into the heart and mind of the woman. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Of course, men fell. Adam and Eve, our first parents, went for it. Eve saw the fruit. You know, have you ever wondered what fruit that was? Apple. <laughs> you know, it's the popular belief was it's an apple. That's why, you know, your Apple computer has a bite on it, right? That was like the picture of, of course, Pastor Sani's theory was it's an aratilis. <laughs> but if you look at the Hebrew... I believe it's an atis. Because the Hebrew of that is ates. 
So it's possible, I don't know. Our first parents bit the fruit. Adam was beside Eve. Eve was there. She saw the fruit, bit it. She gave some to her husband. And my question is, what was Adam doing the whole time when Satan was tempting Eve? And he was just there looking at Eve. He's probably wondering, Mamamatay kaya si Eve? Mauna kang kumagat. But when he saw that Eve was still standing, okay, buhay pa. Now let me bite. I mean, he was there. And we see the same thing with man today. Men have been passive. Men has actually been emasculated and you know, they're just sitting with their wife and letting their wife lead are we here this morning? It was Eve who bit the fruit first. And from that time on, she wanted to be the first. And Adam somehow was passive. But that's another topic for another day. And it was God who initiated reconciliation. That's why if you look at Further, we don't have to look at the verses, but you can just read Genesis chapter 3. After they saw that they were naked, they realized that they need to saw fig leaves. And God immediately, everybody say immediately. God immediately looked for man in the garden. And He was asking, Adam, where are you? He was looking for man. And he wanted to restore man back to him. But how many of you know that instead of man repenting of his sins, he did the blame game? He asked Adam, did you eat the fruit? What did Adam say? The woman. And how many of you somehow see that even until today, we see the blame game? I'd ask my children, did you disobey daddy? My sister. Until today. Without fail, you see that. I've been counseling countless of couples. And I'm asking, did you do this? My wife. The woman. When God turned to the woman, what did the woman say? The serpent. And when God turned to the serpent, wala na siyang maturo. Ako na lang. So the first curse landed on the serpent. You're going to crawl in your belly with a woman, with a, with a woman, with pain. You will give birth to children. And Adam, of course, the land was cursed. And so on and so forth. But yet God devised a plan because he saw this is going to be a dead end. Instead of Adam coming to him, Adam was just playing the, dead, the blame game. So he said, I need to have a plan and a strategy, and this was the plan. In verse 15, it says, And I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This is Jesus. He's already being prophesied in Genesis chapter 15. 
that ultimately Jesus will crush Satan's head. In Romans 16.20, it says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And how many of you know and convinced that ultimately we will win this war? Amen. We are victors. We're victors in Christ. And my final point is, in Christ, conquest is the end of every conflict. Because Jesus won every fight on that cross. Sickness, He's won it. Death, He's won it. Unforgiveness, He's won it. Sin, He's won it. Death itself, He's won it on the cross. Because ultimately, when we die, we will all resurrect with Him. Amen. And that is the victory that we have in Christ. Can we just give the Lord a hand? We hope you were encouraged by that message. Spiritual battles occur in our day-to-day lives. Experience victory over these challenges together with other believers through a regular victory group. To join, simply visit our concierge or our website at www.victoryalabang.org. Thank you and stay connected.